The Song of the Stapler by Simon Jones. Here's what happens. Uh, it's late. And Peterson and I are the only two left on our floor. I have a report, they want a copy of it upstairs, hard copy, and I need a staple to hold it all together. I do not have a stapler. There is one by Peterson. So I go over and am about to take hold of it when he scowls at me like it was his. Like he'd bought it or something. I'm a thorough woman. So I ask him, what? <laughs> He's glaring now. So I say, look, I just need one staple. Is that okay? And he scowls again, but in a sort of acquiescing way. I take my report upstairs, and they decide they want it in triplicate. I see inside, but I go and print another two copies, and then guess what? I need to staple them. But this time, my friend has put the stapler in his drawer and locked it. Can I borrow your stapler again, please? I ask with only the faintest hint of grinding resentment, and the creep says no. I've locked it away, says. But you can unlock it. No, I can't. I'm going home. Lend me the key, and I'll lock it away when I'm done. Indirect contravention of security procedures? <laughs> I can't imagine that happening, can you? What do you mean? You know I'm the one who's using it, I'm the only one here, so you know who to finger when it all goes wrong and the stationary police get involved. Well, Firstly, I don't take kindly to your sarcasm, or indeed your entire approach. And secondly, there's no need to call the stationary police if I don't release my stapler. Now is there? It isn't your stapler. It's the government's stapler. It's the Queen's stapler. <laughs> I am taking three reports up to the office of a Minister of the Crown, and the Crown equals the Queen, so I demand that stapler in the name of Her Sodding Majesty. <laughs> I'm going home now. Use that language with your friends if you wish, but I will remind you that this is a place of work, not a school playground. And with that, the weasel sneers at me, happy as a demon watching a soul fall into hell. I stand there, confused by the simultaneous impulses to do him violence that collide in my head. Eye-poking, chin-kicking, snapping his biro over his nose, fingernails to the throat, or just surrendering to the red mist and seeing what happens. Choices, choices. <laughs> he stands up, puts his horrible pack-a-mac over his horrible cardigan, picks up his school satchel-like briefcase and turns to go. And then he decides on one more piece of advice. Perhaps you should be looking at viable alternatives 
rather than wasting your time bothering a colleague who is quite obviously preparing to go home. I bid you good night. <laughs> I don't know how long after he leaves I stay stood there, but it is long enough for the phone to ring, pregnant with the bollocking I have incurred in delaying the copies. I take them up, unstapled, and offer no reason. What could I say? Peterson wouldn't let me use a stapler, sir. I still have some pride. This requires retribution. I wonder if I should serve my revenge cold, but then I realise that I see this creep every day. He's going to wind me up afresh, and I'll never get below simmering. I've never heard of simmering revenge, so I assume it doesn't work and decide to operate at mad heat. I call office services and tell them in my best and much admired Peterson wine that I have locked some important papers in my drawer. After much grumbling, they agree to come and open it. The drawer is opened. I riffle around and take a couple of loose sheets, deftly palming the stapler beneath them. The stapler and papers go in my case. The drawer is locked again. I am nearly skipping on the way home. <laughs> I must admit, I feel trepidation on the bus in next morning, but it is electrifying. And I feel very, very alive. It's almost sexual. <laughs> Striding out of the lift, I walk briskly down the corridor, trying to look as I normally do, which is tricky because you never pay attention to yourself when you're behaving normally. Faces turn, some smirking, some almost winking, others disapproving, almost tutting. I am today's news. <laughs> I had just sat down when a presence arrives at my desk. It is he. I shall never know what I looked like yesterday evening when he cranked me up to blowing point, but I see a kindred feeling writ over his entire body. <laughs> it is a faint sense of vibration. His mouth is a white cut curling up to a rictus grin, its vibration like the meeting of clashing colours seen at the corner of the eye. His eyes are fixed, and the intention is obvious to show a calm exterior. It fails because he looks utterly mad, and a vein on his temple is throbbing like a small snake on a trampoline. <laughs> I would greatly appreciate the return of my stapler, he whispers, the smile and the eyes remaining fixed. And what would your stapler look like? I ask sweetly. The only staplers I have seen round here are the standard issue model. I shall try again, he says, seeming to talk with his tonsils rather than his tongue. <laughs> I went into my desk today and found that my stapler, your privately bought stapler, I smile, 
slide the evidence out of my case and clamp it under my left armpit. Then, picking up my fags, I saunter towards the back stairwell. A quick sprint through the broken fire door that clicks open without triggering the alarm. Always stay on the right side of smokers. We know these things. A few flights down to the ground floor. And then, once outside, I shall have a selection of foul-smelling bins in which to hide the evidence. Even Peterson would stop at burrowing through half a ton of fly-blown food scraps to prove his point. I'm through the door, and about half a floor down, when I hear a clatter above me. Turning, I see Peterson descending on me with a look of an avenging angel. Stop! Stop! He screams. I, I stop. And where do you think you're going? He snarls. I see a small crowd behind him, craning their necks to take in the drama, a performance they shall have. Thought I'd uh, have a cigarette before I decide whether to accept your forthcoming apology, I reply. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. I don't think so. Let's see those pockets. And then... Unbelievably, he's on me. The idiot has actually launched himself off the step above and is trying to push me. I cling onto the banister with my right hand, but my left must be held in to retain my guilty secret. Or must it? Turning away from him, my head is looking over the banister railing and down the stairwell at the bottom of which is a pile of discarded equipment. Chairs, pedestals, computer parts, bric-a-brac. Peterson's arms are fluttering around me, trying to prove my hiding places without looking like a groper. And it is the work of a second to open out my left arm and let the stapler tumble into the abyss. The crowd is now making noises, the collective rumble signifying the point where voyeurism is about to change into action. Only Peterson and I hear the clatter over the scuffling, and only we see the flash of grey. Peterson leans over to crow with triumph. I step back and in some inadvertent judo manoeuvre send him flying behind me and tumbling down twelve concrete steps, near the bottom of which there is an unpleasantly sharp noise and at the bottom of which he stops moving forever. <laughs> I just stand there as stuff happens around me, or what to tell the police. In the end, I don't mention the stapler, <laughs> mainly because I can't for the life of me think of a way to explain it, but show them the papers instead. That doesn't really explain why I had stolen Peterson's identity, but nobody finds that interesting. I even keep my job. I assume no one wants to start disciplinary proceedings against someone who'd assassinate a man for not lending her a piece of desk equipment. <laughs> one final thing. The police look in the pile of discarded equipment in the stairwell and find about 15 staplers. <laughs> they all have Peterson's name, tipexed on the bottom.